0: listening to Mastering Retention, presented by UserWise. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention podcast. Super excited for today. We have Mikhail Silvanoian uh, from Critical Force with us. We'll be talking about uh, all sorts of fun things like live ops and player experience and, and first person shooters. I'm actually wearing my Fortnite shirt that I got uh, back in the day when uh GDC was uh, still a thing in San Francisco, but uh, I think it's coming back. But uh, besides that, I'm I'm super excited to uh, get to talk to Mikhail today. Um, but before I do, uh, Mikhail, I feel like you have a interesting journey in terms of you know how you got into gaming and, and, and where you are today, and I'd I'd love to hear you know what's your story.
1: Basically, I started playing uh, well, surprise Counter Strike 1.6 a while ago when I was like 10 or eight years old and uh, also <laughs> our runescape. And uh, then I've been playing games all my life. And uh, I, I was pretty much, I, I would wanted to go for like in, in Finland, we can choose between like going to college or then vocational college. And I would wanted to go for like IT. IT side already back then, but then, well, my grades were not really good enough. So I went went for a chef line instead. And very uh, much after doing those things for a bit, I, I changed for IT, I got a like lower degree on it side and i got a trainee position here at critical force and i've been here for now almost three years so that's that's pretty much uh like how i got to the games industry myself and then of course between the journey before i ended up working here i used to play overwatch professionally and semi-professionally some uh, counter strike and pubg and games like that
0: now are are you like a true counter strike 1.6 fan or did you kind of evolve with the game
1: Oh, of 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 course, one point six has always the place in heart, but uh, well, yeah, CS:GO is nice, nice as well, but of course, so, some things are missing which I really enjoyed, but it's it's doable.
0: Have you played uh, Valorant at all? Because uh, a- apparently, like, they wanted to get back to that 1.6 vibe that they felt was kind of lost.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I played Valorant plenty, but, uh, I like, if, if I need to choose, do I play Counter-Strike Global Offensive or Valorant, <laughs> I, I go for the Counter-Strike instead. Uh, I, I Well, yeah, if, if I want to play Overwatch, <laughs> I can play Overwatch. So, like, I, I don't like the skills and such like that, but, like, then it's, it's a unique game in, in, in a sense, so... It's it's not bad, of course. I really like it with playing with friends, but it's it's still like if they are in in my opinion, if if their main main point of view is to combat Counter Strike, it's not exactly like a killer for it, in my opinion. But uh, I, it's it's a nice game after all. But the abilities are pretty too strong, and that's the main thing in the game, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, totally makes sense. So you're kind of classically trained as the chef. Now, do you do you like to cook and stuff a lot at home as well, or is that just kind of like a, a nascent skill that's hiding behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, well, back in the day when I used to working restaurants and such, then well, I didn't make any food at home because well, I was doing it at work. So in how much you want to order stuff or eat something <laughs> super simple? But, well, these days cooking is nice so it's it's always fun and relaxing as well instead what it was in restaurants
0: (laughs) yeah my my wife just sent me a life hack Because apparently every time I cut an onion, like I just, you know, start crying like a little baby. But yeah, she sent me a little video where apparently if you cut the the end off the onion, that's what starts like bleeding and causes all the the stuff that makes you cry. So you just kind of cut it in half and leave that on blew my mind a little bit. I haven't actually tried it, but uh, it should be a fun experience when we get there.
1: Well, this is of course from a Finnish chef book, in in a sense that you make yourself two gin tonics, you drink them before cutting the onion, so you don't cry that much, or at least you don't feel it anymore. <laughs> and well, then just have a sharp knife. That's that's just my tips. Never cried awesome. when cutting an onion, so I guess I like it, it also depends.
0: Yeah, do you feel like? coming from the the cooking environment and the creative process there, has that impacted what you're doing now at all?
1: Well, it's like the good things from there is just (laughs) being fine under pressure, but Mm -hmm. uh, then like the communication and such that has been like the learning process because, well, very much first day but when I started here at Critical Force, I went to the product uh, product owner and told that these things are bad in our game, that these things should be fixed. And I had this huge list. And uh, le- let's say the directly to the conversation way was not the best back then. So like this new, new guy coming in as a trainee from school and he brings me a list of things that needs to be fixed. And well, we already know this and so on. So of course, lear- re- learning process with that. Your current title
0: is player experience manager. And I I feel like more and more um, gaming companies are kind of transitioning away from this idea of, you know, just strict live ops or games as a service to really like a, a player experience. But, you know, when I do say player experience, like what does that actually mean to you?
1: Well, player experience, like it's pretty all, all around Pretty weight role after all, because well, these days companies are branding customer support as player experience as well. Like, player experience specialist means that you're doing customer support and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, I don't see that actually a bad thing. Depends, of course, on the company. That if your customer support agents are also doing some sorts of community management and gather data through that and communicate with the players, I think then it goes under that role. But like, player experience means just, uh, well, being responsible of taking user feedback forward, taking care of the user like experience. Of course, the UI stuff that was like earlier. I think a thing that player experience meant that it's also tied with UI design and all of these things. But I, I think it's evolving now to a little bit more wake form.
0: Do you guys ever do any sort of um, like I you know I imagine if we were to play the same game together, chances are I might enjoy different aspects about the game than the, you know, parts that you enjoy the most. Um, Maybe I'm really into collecting a bunch of skins. You're really into working on, I don't know, the achievements for headshots. Um, Do you guys ever do any sort of things that, you know, make it, I guess, more prevalent where like I can get more of those types of experiences that I enjoy the most and you can get more of those types of things that you enjoy the most about the game with the ideal long-term Outcome is that both of us are retained for longer uh, because, you know, we're getting exactly out of the game what we most enjoy about the game.
1: Yeah, like we, we are getting these like uh, overlapping ideas a lot. Like these both things would be cool, but then uh, pretty much how we do it on our end, it really depends like how much exact thing is asked from the community, like the players itself. Like when it comes to our game development, that's uh, pretty much... Then, then it's uh, that's the deciding factor. That if the majority, which we know that if they want the author one, then we are gonna first get that one and then get the later the other one. You that's that's pretty much how, how it works. And of course, all everything depends on design and all of the other things that there might be blockers on doing certain things. So then it might be that we are getting the lead, less wanted thing in first and then the most most wanted thing. So that that can happen as well.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: that makes a lot of sense.
0: You know, thinking about player communication um, and and live ops, um, what sort of things have you found to be most effective um, in kind of working with uh, players and, you know, ultimately working towards everyone being happier about the the brand as a whole, the game as a whole, um, where you guys are going?
1: Main thing is, of (laughs) course, transparency about if things don't go as planned, If we promise something and it won't happen, then transparency, why it did not happen? And then, of course, informing players about upcoming things. Uh, 10 informing players that we pretty much, we noticed that you guys don't like this one. And we have now changed it to this one. And in, uh, communicating this all through the game, everything localized that we, we are we are having an inbox system in game. So that's that's pretty much what we are using uh, for mm-hmm. communicating the orb, like player base directly. And then of course, then try players to check the inbox messages through push notifications. Of course, this is on mobile. And then of course, social media communication whenever possible on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram.
0: Do you ever find that it's a challenge to do the... The localization step in there, because, I, you know, I imagine you have to translate both the message that you're sending, but then also like the push notification that you're sending and then, you know, how does that actually work from a, a technical perspective, I, I imagine that would be te- quite challenging to get all of the right stuff out to the right people and a reasonable amount of time.
1: Yeah, that's uh, the reasonable amount of time, I think is the, like, the main thing. But like, exactly sending the messages, that's the, like, the smallest part. But the localization, of course, if we would be starting to, uh, like if we could not do everything in-house, like very much we, we are doing all of the localizations for like these messages in-house, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's gonna take like maybe one hour and it's done, and then we can send it out. Uh, but like, if it would be like, that we would need to conduct third party company to localize these things, take like multiple days. Mm. So that's that's pretty much a problem that, that might might arise if, if there's no in-house localization possibilities.
0: Do you guys do your localization in-house?
1: Uh, for, for the messages, like the small things, but mm. of course like the game localization and so on, we, we are getting them from the third party because well, let's say you don't want to put your uh, back-end developer to localize messages for you. <laughs> <laughs> they have better things to do as well. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense
0: have you ever had an instance where you sent out like a message to players or you sent out a push notification and something went wrong and it you know caused a bit of like an upheaval amongst players
1: no i, I knew that this mes- uh, this uh, question arises yeah a few times that uh well because, well, we, we can send through our inbox, we can send items. And, well, I accidentally sent, oh, I think, around 500,000 euro worth items to every single player, that type of message. And, uh, yeah, well, it, it like it took us 30 minutes. It was, I think it was 10 p.m., at night and well I had just contacted our ad hoc backend person that hey there has been this slight screw up that help and we, we got the message down and then tomorrow morning at the office there were little bit grimy and slightly smiling faces when I arrived at the office and then it was like yeah Mikael we're, we're gonna start refunding this it's gonna take a whole day we're gonna have lots of fun so taking the <laughs> items back from the players, because I think I think the total, well, I, I calculated value, it was like 6 million euros worth of in-game items sent for the players. After all, it could have been lost more, but luckily we got that sorted out pretty swiftly and wasn't that that, that horrific situation. But yeah, those things can happen. How did the, uh, the players kind
0: of take that? Or did they kind of understand that something happened? You know, were they kind of upset?
1: how did that play out? That they were more like, like, are are the developers trolling us? And, and that because <laughs> uh, because it it also had the message which which was not fully written or I, I don't remember what was exactly the thing. But they were like, who is this person? What he's talking about here, and so on. But uh, well, after all, like they they were fine with it. No like uh, no riots or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. They understand it was a mistake and
0: so i i assumed that was possible because of like your live ops tools or at least how they were at that point in time like have you guys been able to do anything to ensure that type of mistake can't happen whether by process or with tooling or
1: uh, ma- mainly through workflow that everything is triple checked before committing to push a button mm-hmm. but yeah still still of course like tools always need some improvement and. So on. and that has been that's something that we have been working on as well to eliminate these possible problems.
0: Yeah. So you know, if, if we were to start a new gaming company today, uh, making a similar game, similar tools, um, what sort of things, you know, in in your ideal world, would you want? in a tool to ensure that it's harder to make mistakes uh, obviously mistakes are always going to be possible but you know how would you kind of make it so it's more difficult to make mistakes
1: uh, don't let the programmer do the ui that's like the main <laughs> thing I, I think that that's uh that's that's uh, maybe what what is causing some some problems maybe that everything is very technical uh technical and uh, well of course it's not like assume that uh, like anyone which outside of the tech team would understand things and like just make sure that everything is clear clear and how how it works and then the documentation is correct as well. Yeah, makes sense. Totally makes sense.
0: Thinking a little bit more about kind of your role more on like the, the CS side of things, have you figured out like what is the ideal flow for working with players and things like that? Like I see some teams that take the approach of We're just going to put together kind of all this documentation for players and kind of like push them towards the documentation to answer their questions versus just like letting them submit like player tickets and such have you found like a happy balance like i know sometimes as a player i'm annoyed when like you make me go through all this stuff and then and then i can submit my ticket maybe versus like i i just want to talk to someone and you know have you solve my problem
1: yeah well at least at the moment during the covid times uh, players want to talk to people that's, that's just how it is. Of course, this all depends on uh, the age of the players and so on. But at least on our end, uh, the players, like they could read it, read their like the answer from the FAQ, but they instead want to talk to us. They want to talk to a person. They want to talk to the developer who is making the game and just have a conversation. And pretty much, well what can uh, what can we do it do for it well to have more automation and then the step to get to actual agent is going to take lots longer but i don't think that's a good experience still science mm. customer support like the human interaction still has some value these days i think it's good to enforce to have that as well of course yes it's it uses time and it's Costly, but still, it's it's good experience. Yeah, we have FAQs and we we have automation that the players need to go through steps uh, about their problem. They can choose different categories and such. Uh, but uh, like after all, like many of them just want to have a talk as well and just uh, chat a little bit about things and like give their feedback as well, which is very valuable for us. So.
0: Yeah. Have you guys tried using anything like a, a Discord or a forums or like a Facebook group or, you know, anything uh, like that to success?
1: Well, we have our, like, community Discord, which is pretty much driven by us, the, well, developers. We have, I think, soon near 200,000 members. So pretty much we have that for our players where they can talk with each other and find, like, that they would party up and such, well, socialize and make friends and then talk to us as well just have an open conversation uh, regarding like forums no we don't have any like at least our own forums and then the Facebook groups are also community driven, which are not handled by us, but they they are just the players making those. We don't have our own, that we are pretty much mainly or official, like community, community itself is in Discord.
0: Now, I've I've heard of some uh, companies, like I think Social Point does this, um, where uh, what they'll do is they kind of say... Hey, players, like we realize that, you know, sometimes discord is challenging because, you know, you might leave a message, might be a little bit of time before we're able to get back to it or depending on time zones and things like maybe we're sleeping. But uh, have you ever tried doing something where it's like, hey, you know, every Friday at 2 p.m., we're going to be here for an hour, come talk to us. And that might even include, you know, game developers and, you know, whoever else, and you're just kind of there to like listen. But then, uh, well, it's nice from the, the game creator side, because it's like, well, I only have to be on discord for like an hour each week. But it's really nice for the players, because they know, oh, if I come during this time, you know, I'll be able to actually interact with the you know, developers kind of in a, a Reddit, you know, AMA style thing.
1: Yeah, we, we like you know, talking about ready AMAs. We have done those. And then we have also like, we have our different programs, which have some uh, uh, like, as an example, competitive players. Then we have our like, we, we have different groups for like beta testers and influencers and so on. Like we, we have AMAs and like this type of one hour session with them. But regarding like uh, normal users, those which are playing the game the most and so on like for them we, we are always there like pretty much mm. i i think there is at least one of developers available 24/7 and like it it like of course it's it's not that they tag us and we instantly reply but like they might engage into the conversation at any time so but but yeah we have i don't think we had had any like uh, like that time of that one hour there's going to be this amount of like developers ch- chatting with you. But that, that's definitely a good idea. But but for us, it has been pretty normal that our players are always free to talk to us anytime and that it's not just some exact time slot when we are available there.
0: <laughs> well, that is really nice from a, a player experience perspective. Um, do you have any examples? Okay, so, so I work with... Uh... A lot of folks kind of on the spectrum of large to small, but I feel like especially those like small to mid-tier companies, like sometimes it's just hard to say, you know, what is the value of really fully embracing all the stuff that you can do from like a customer support perspective? Because I think the worry is like, well, you know, if I'm dealing... And and talking to players all the time and dealing with this, I'm not going to have time to actually make my game or to make it better to fix the bugs. So, you know, I'm just curious, do you have any experiences or notable stories where, you know, talking to these players or things that they reported in a CS ticket or discord, like really radically changed something or led to like an insight that, um, you know, introduced some radically awesome new feature, something
1: like that. Well, mainly what we are getting from our community is bug reports and such like that. Like things that we could not get, like which our GUI might have never noticed, or we don't have had that exact device where it happens and things like that. Because, well, things on mobile are pretty complicated when it comes to 9,000 different Android devices. So like the pretty much the problem is that yeah they might send us a picture about some like crash uh, but we don't know how to do it then on through the community we can ask that how, how, how did this happen and then they send us a video how it happens and then we can reproduce it and then we can fix it like mm. that's like things that are pretty common how we engage with our community and get these like uh, problems solved as well which is very huge help from the community that you can well calling it outsourcing the gui you know not, not exactly but close by but that's like the good good stuff that we're getting from the community and then as well, the constructive feedback from uh, our players who have been playing our game for like multiple years that like, hey, I really like this new stuff. And then like it gives confidence as well to continue doing that new stuff. But of course, then when thinking about cost efficiency, well, that's also with the customer support as an example. If you're not selling anything, you're not exactly making money. So you cannot like, make any calculations that like how, how much exactly uh, like you're making profit from the customer support so that's yeah. that's always pretty hard hard one for the companies i feel
0: yeah so it it really helps with the uh i guess you call it the technical debt that you have out there i think uh, oftentimes people uh in, in gaming it's easy to overlook the just critical importance that like your game just Works as players expect it to because, you know, we we kind of expect a a bug free, crash free, lag free experience. And, you know, if you're getting that, especially in a a PvP oriented game where you got a little bit of lag and then you die, um, you're going to be pretty mad you know if you die because of the game versus you know you just weren't talented enough to take down the opponent kind of a thing
1: yeah that's well when it when it comes to uh, in, in a sense a live ops game like will it ever be totally perfect well <laughs> that's something that we will find out someday <laughs> I love it. Have you guys ever,
0: uh, I know this is something that they do in in Counter-Strike and and different things like that, but um, explored things like uh, giving users the tools to create things like user-generated maps or um, skins that are
1: inspired by you know, user-created content, different things like that? Uh, that's something that our players would want, of course. Like, I totally understand it. But then oh, we are a mobile game, so that's going to be a hard one, making the tools to actually allow that. And then, of course, like the copyright matters that you can already notice, like in Counter-Strike, what there has been, like the Howl and, and the multiple author skins, which have then been found out that they are a copyright problem because of stolen art. So that's, that's something... Well a risk that we would not want to take, and then as well, like after all, for our game, making skins and the maps is not that easy, easy and simple thing to do. So, yeah, have we thought about it? Yeah, are we going to make it unlikely?
0: <laughs> makes sense. It totally makes sense. I think it's a, a valid risk and challenging, uh, challenging to do well. Um, so. Something that I was thinking on a little bit earlier is you were talking about how you kind of have those uh, groups of kind of like your VIP type players and stuff that you kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, It reminds me a lot of uh, the approach that the Magic the Gathering folks actually take where they basically get a group of like their most engaged, most knowledgeable kind of top tier players and they give them the next set of cards that are coming out, and they just get you know so much feedback from those people because amazingly enough, the the players are going to be like, oh well, this is going to change the meta this way, or actually this would never work because there's this other card that's going to completely invalidate this one, and they just you know detail out so much stuff because in many ways some of those players are actually more experts at the game than you guys are as the developers but uh you know is that the sort of thing that you guys do when you're meeting with your vip players or what sort of questions or insights or how do you use them most effectively
1: uh well we have service which we are doing time to time for uh these different player groups which we have as well for the full audience as well and then we are gathering the feedback through that and then then of course like we we are like in close communication with those like competitive slash pro players of our game which are Mm -hmm. playing the game a lot and they're practicing with their teams and how how things work and gathering their feedback as well regarding like weapon balance how the maps are is is there some like uh, some op corners as an example and stuff stuff, stuff like that so like those are the things what we are doing and but like uh, as well for like our influencer program, we have like pretty much everyone can apply and there are certain criteria uh, like which are gonna get in there. And then for the beta program, as an example, uh, we we have like their like applications time to time when we are getting more people in. In the end, in our game, everyone can, everyone can play in beta. Everyone can join the Google Play beta or through the test flight. But then this is like just a Discord group for those beta players, which are all the time, always gonna try the new beta build uh, are going to play there and then share their feedback and they have been picked there based on that
0: so you mentioned surveys um, i've heard a lot of variety of different feedback about surveys in general and and i think you also said you give them to distinct player groups so are you able to do like a, a segmented survey experience where like i only give a survey to players that bought this offer or engaged in this live ops event kind of a thing
1: yeah, we, we can like, uh, pretty much we have these different Discord groups and we give one for the each, like we have their own surveys for each and then, mm. then they have their own and then of course, through the data, we can also do that, that we are, we are going to give it a certain group which has, as an example, both something or they have just played a match of something, like some exit game mode and then ask their, like, how, how are the things or did they like it and we, we can do that, yes.
0: So you can ultimately kind of tie their answers to what they've done, more or less?
1: Yeah, that's that's possible to be done.
0: Indeed. That's really cool. What kind of questions do you ask in surveys? Like, what, what do those look like? You know, for uh, I I imagine there's a lot of listeners are like, well, surveys sound valuable, but, you know, how do I actually write them so that I can get some sort of useful information out of them? And I think it's also easy to word the questions the wrong way, where you kind of lead people to answering in a certain uh, a certain way. (laughs) How do you get unbiased data and actually useful, actionable data out of surveys as opposed to, you know, just using my data analytics tool and inferring based on what the players are actually doing?
1: Yeah, well, it it really depends. Like, unfortunately, I don't here have at the moment something that we have sent for as an example for larger player like uh, as an example for a whole audience of course then there you should have a language selection so everything is localized the questions so then you will get like the most out of it because as an example if you are gonna send english language survey for turkish player uh, like then most likely you're not gonna get that many uh, actionable answers so and then like much as possible one to five like how much you like it do you strongly agree disagree and then you can use that data best but like lately we have been doing a, like uh, this type of questionnaire regarding one feature that w- should it have this type of thing and then the players could, like with this segmented users can choose that like uh, do do they want it or not and then, then we can mm-hmm. uh, have later conversation with our product team about it
0: do you find that you get better information when the questions are open ended versus when they're, you know, ABCD or true false kind of a thing?
1: Uh, well, it's easier to measure true false or like that strongly agree, strongly disagree type yep. of things. But then, of course, if there's like uh, some question that you can think that there can be multiple things that it can, you know, involve, then it's, of course, good to have it open-ended but of course then if the player amount who you are sending the message to is like we're talking about thousands or even hundreds then it's going to be pretty rough to go through all of them one by one like the feedback if it's open-ended question that they can just give their comment about it
0: Mm. yeah i always kind of struggle that with that myself where it's like Oh, it's so much cleaner to just have the, the data oriented there, but sometimes you get so many more useful insights when it's a, an open end, but it takes so much longer to actually uh, shift through the, the answers to actually discover the gems of knowledge. Do you guys do much? uh, Switching gears a little bit here um, on social media. Like, I I know you've got your Discord, but like, have you guys done anything with like Twitter,
1: Facebook, or Instagram? Yeah, uh, pretty much. We we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts for our product, and uh, yeah, pretty much every single time we get something out or we have something, we're gonna post there. I think Twitter, we have over hundred thousand followers at the moment and growing so and then on facebook i think we have 500,000 or somewhere nearby that but yeah very much uh, like normal social media management and then of course we are doing our best to uh, as well to reply the players who are asking questions there and then engage with our players that, that's that's like the main thing myself i'm doing also the social media management so it's still at the moment the time for doing all of those things is slightly limited but I hope that changes in the future.
0: Yeah. Do you find that having the social media actually lends towards a better player experience and, and boosts your you know long-term retention,
1: engagement, things like that? Yeah, well, these days, well, websites are like having a game website. It's, it's, I, I think it's slightly dying because like first thing, if, if I have a problem, I, I'd maybe go Google like, well, I of course go first check Reddit, but like the kids these days, they go ask directly in a Facebook group or such that, hey, I have this problem with this game help me, and then there's gonna be people who are gonna help this guy. So it, it it works like that these days. So having a strong social media, I think it's just beneficial for the brand and then as as well for the player experience.
0: Do you guys have a Reddit too?
1: Yeah, we, we have our own subreddit where players can post their funny memes and about the <laughs> game, and then ask questions and open conversation about things that they like or they don't like and stuff like that.
0: That's super useful. Okay. So I'm putting you on the spot here. You know, if I had to, okay, so you, you got Discord, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If I'm a small team and I had to pick one or I could only have two, where would you start? And like, you know, what's the, the most important uh, place to, you know, being setting up uh, your kind of engagement with your users and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, well, I I think at the moment I maybe go for Twitter first, and then after that make a Discord where well, there can the players of your game can then have a conversation there and so on. Because I don't think at the moment with like Discord, like how you can discover servers, is that that easy as it is like discovering new games or such in Twitter or Facebook Mm -hmm. as an example. So it's better to have one of like, well, have a Twitter or Facebook page and such and then market your Discord there. So then you're going to get people to your Discord.
0: So why would you say Twitter first?
1: Well, I I personally like Twitter more than Facebook. And well, at least what I've seen for for the games companies that they are also like, of course, mainly US that they're using Twitter more than Facebook. So and well, Twitter has better dark mode. So I give them that. (laughs)
0: I'll give it to you. I like it. I think the last thing that I wanted to cover was uh, just about um, campaigns. So, you know, when we're talking about uh, a campaign starting from from scratch and and what that ultimately looks like um, to kind of after it's done and any feedback that goes back to the product team, like for newer folks, like, When I say campaign, like, what is that? Like, what what do you consider a campaign to be?
1: Well, campaign for myself means that, well, of course, marketing campaign, that Mm -hmm. we're going to have some event or such, and we want to make campaign for that or we have something coming up and we want to prepare a campaign for it it might include a video made by one of our video editors or then of course a normal social media art and uh, marketing art an announcement post scheduled everything and stuff stuff like that and then possibly tie tie it up with ua as well then of course on the ua side campaigns are totally different thing which i don't know that much because well that's not something that i handle
0: and so th- those campaigns, are they primarily stuff that goes out, like, through the social media stuff, or does that also, you know, involve product-oriented things of, like, in-game messages, mailbox stuff, push notifications?
1: Yes. That that includes live ops in-game as well, such as, like, of course, when we're getting a new event in the game, it's going to show up, like, greatly in the game, that the yeah. background changes, uh, there's new things, and then, of course, there's an inbox message, then... As, a, as an example for a latest event we had a pretty cool trailer we, we got that and then some press releases as well for news outlets so mm. those those things as well but in game it shows up the most after all That's for cool. the players itself
0: so you know when you're kind of building out the campaign you know, all of that kind of wrapped together and probably should be timed and, and planned accordingly. Can your tool support all those different elements, including like the live ops actual implementation of the uh, config coupled with, you know, the messages and the notifications and um, the posts to Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff? Or is it a little bit manual kind of there too?
1: Well, everything can be scheduled. That's like the main thing. So that, uh, like, we, we schedule the product side stuff, and then then we're going to have then social media and YouTube and such then separately.
0: That makes sense. Have you ever seen that go
1: awry? Yeah, a few times that they're like, well, usually it has been that something has gone wrong in the latest build, and then when we enable the event, the game should crashes. Mm. But... Uh, those we have been able to figure out super fast with our great development team but like then of course usually it has been that like we, we always schedule like our social media stuff and that those things like maybe 10 or 20 minutes uh, after the things go live in the game so then we have time to react if something goes wrong or something won't happen so
0: well, I only have one more question for you, uh, which is the unofficial question because we are on the Mastering Retention podcast. But uh, what's one uh, tip, trick or lesson that you've learned over the years to help uh, increase player engagement um, and ultimately retention?
1: Well, offer them rewards, have them a reason to play the game and that like they have some goal what to go for. As an example, for us, goals are that you have rewards if you're high, uh, on a high rank and you win games. And then you're going to get free in-game stuff. And, mm. well, rewards for your achievements. Mm. And that's if you can keep them engaged enough, provide them, like, all the time, new stuff, what to compete for at least on our game, because our game is competitive. So if you give them stuff to compete for, they're, if your game is competitive enough and your player base is correct, then, then the user engagement will be high.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Well, Mikhail, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. If folks have any questions for you or want to get in contact with you, is there a good way for them to do that?
1: Uh, I, I think best way is through my LinkedIn.
0: All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Yeah, same to you. Thank you.